Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Deanna Minnick. Welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast, where we explore how you can get some more color, creativity, and healing in your everyday life. We get to look at the spectrum of eating, living, feeling, and creating that you're all about. So let's dive into the inspiration and information rainbow that awaits us. Hello, everybody. Wow, this is my very first podcast, and I've got to say, I am super excited to be here with you. You know why? Because I get to talk about all the things I love to talk about, and I know that you want to hear about these things, too. Color, creativity, healing, everyday practical things that we can do. This is really the sweet spot. And, you know, many people think and say to me, Deanna, why are you so tapped into color? Why are you focused so much on color? I thought you were a nutritionist. And, you know, it's really interesting how I got into color. And if I reflect back on my story, it goes back all the way to when I was a teenager. Actually, even beyond being a teenager, even into my early preteen days, I can remember at the age of about seven that I was wearing this rainbow shirt. I love this particular rainbow shirt. It was a rainbow that went on one arm and it came across the chest onto the other arm and it was like I was the rainbow. And you could probably say to yourself, well, goodness, you know, most seven-year-old girls are really into rainbows and rainbow bright and you know, all of the the rainbow stuff that's out there. Well, I was so into rainbows that I even tried to get my parents to call me Star Rainbow. I was not successful. (laughs) But, you know, I never felt like a Deanna. I felt like, no, rainbow has to be in my name somewhere. So I know we, we get all different types of impressions when we think of that word rainbow. And I don't go with any particular connotation. What I'm really looking at when I reflect on the symbol of a rainbow is this new life, this spectrum, the, the potential and possibilities that we all hold within. And for me, with, with color, yeah, I mean, I started young with being tuned in, tapped into color. I mean, that was part of my youth, part of who I was. And then as I got into my teen years, my goodness, I grew up in the 1980s. And so that was the time of fluorescence. I don't know if you remember this time. Maybe it's before your time. Maybe you'd like to just kind of blow past that time and not think about it because it was pretty extreme. But I went to Catholic school and I had to wear a uniform that was a set color. We all looked the same. And the only way that we could be different was by wearing different colored socks and tights. So here I was with fluorescent orange tights. I remember them clearly. And I would even wear sweatshirts when we could on my way to school that was just laden with all the fluorescent colors and very colorful. You know, I can't explain this draw to color that I have, but I know that as I have proceeded throughout my life and became the person that I am today, lots of things happen in between. I had lots of personal events, lots of emotional things happen in my life, lots of physical things and and different stresses that happen, just like in your life. I mean, we share these things in common. We all go through them as part of being human. And I feel like what has really been my saving grace and what I've gone to is this element of color. And I, I really like it, kind of like I like food, because it's a unifying concept, right? It's almost like all of us need to eat food. 
that's how we survive. So yeah, we all connect and collect on this theme of food, and we all, in some way, connect into colors too. So I can talk with a seven-year-old about colors, and I can talk with a seventy-year-old about colors. So it's a unifying principle of our existence. It's in nature. There are animals that see different colors than we do. It's like there is such a rich fabric to discover through that portal of color, and that's really what I'm aiming to do with this podcast with you is to get you live living a more colorful life, a life that's more vibrant, more radiant, more resonant with not just the external colors that you see in your environment, but those internal colors and really bringing them out. So I want to share with you a little bit about my story because、uh, you know, being that we're embarking upon this journey together, I I want to give you a little bit of a history. And now you already know about me and being star rainbow and wearing rainbow shirts and fluorescent orange tights in high school. You know, that's one piece of it. But、um, really, if I go some layers deeper, I want to talk with you about some more vulnerable pieces in my life and how color has helped me out. So when I was a teenager, I was up against a lot of different psychological and even physical health issues. In fact,、um, in fact, you know, really, my teenage years were some of the worst years of my life. And it's ironic because I can still hear my dad saying to me, "But Deanna, the, you know, my teen years were the best years of my life." And I said, "Dad, I'm glad, but my teen years were were awful. They were the worst. You know, it was really the start of me developing." Some of my first health conditions. So one of the first things that cropped up for me, especially going through puberty, was I had a lot of issues with my reproductive tract, and I thought that, well, you know, I'm just becoming a woman, and things are my hormones are starting to get regulated, and and maybe this is all normal. Maybe I'm supposed to have really severe cramps every month,、uh, lots of pain, lots of headaches. I even had vomiting. I, I had really Severe issues with my reproductive tract on a monthly basis as a teenager, and I didn't know what to do. You know, basically, it was leaving school, going home, resting, maybe taking an aspirin, just being doubled over in pain. And I can remember family members and other people saying, "Oh, you know, it's just in your head. It's just in your head. Get over it. You know, you're just."、Uh, you, you, everybody has pain in their lives, so it's just something you have to deal with. So I think that very early on, from the get-go, I kind of had this programming that being a woman was painful on some level. You know, now that I think back to it, you know, I don't think I really ever had that consciously. But now that I'm 46, looking back at my teen years, I can say that wow, 30 years have gone by, and how was my my blossoming into womanhood? And it, it was tumultuous. And of course, all the body image issues, overeating. Binging, emotional eating—you know—I have a lot of food issues, which is probably why I went into nutrition. And a lot of those issues, I think, came from the extreme constriction, restriction, and discipline that I felt growing up. You know, here I am, and I love my parents dearly. By the way, I really love them, and they—they're such great teachers. And on some level, I'm glad that I chose them because they taught me everything I needed to know. But when I was growing up, I, I did have this feeling of being put into a box. I didn't feel free. Here I was at Catholic school, wearing uniforms, was taught by nuns. Everything was strict, strict, strict. And my dad was a Chicago police officer. Even more feelings of 
being confined, really not having this this sense of, you know, the best word I can think of is being free. I, I didn't feel like I could flow. I couldn't really be me. There was no laughing at the dinner table. You know, there was this air of tension about whether it was school or how we were at home. And then my mom gets into her whole nutrition kick, which in the 1970s, it wasn't ahead of the curve to be into nutrition. It was looked at as you're a health nut if you were into nutrition. So now I have this stamp of being on the outside and having to really kind of be this whatever a normal teenager is trying to be that, trying to fit in somewhere and not really feeling like I'm fitting in even though I feel squished into this box. So my body was acting out. You know, my reproductive organs were really having a uh, th- this kind of this uh, th- this tumultuousness, this this feeling like every month I was going through all this stress and it was really wreaking havoc on my body. And it wasn't just my reproductive organs on a monthly basis. I had more frequent issues even with my gut. I've always had a very fragile gut. My my physiology really mirrors that of my dad's. And my dad has a lot of gut issues. I have a lot of gut issues. Every time I'm uneasy, nervous, queasy, I feel it in the, the pit of my stomach. And even now, if I'm not tracking on what I'm eating and how I'm living my life, the first thing to go is my, my digestive tract and back to my reproductive issues. So I had a lot of this this seeming burden as a teen. And, you know, I didn't really think about things to help me that went into things like food, which is what I went into in my later years. But initially, goodness gracious, if I would have known about sugar and gluten and dairy and food allergies and uh, just even how I ate, that would have helped me so much. But when you're in the thick of it, it's almost like you can't see out of it. In fact, I was just passing a church billboard not too long ago and it said we live life forward and remember it and learn from it backward and I feel like yeah if I look at my life in more of a backward motion I can see all the things that would have helped me but that's just not how we live life right we can't always know what's best for us in that particular moment so I I went on to college and I would say that that was the first time I felt free I actually felt like I had Some degree of autonomy. I could choose the courses I wanted to take at the university. And I broke out of my super religious, super confined restriction that I had at home growing up. So what did I do? I immersed myself in a lot of science classes because I love science. You know, I I was this nerdy kid who would just bury her nose into books and try to learn about my body. And that was all really fascinating to me. But then I also took other classes that would have not been within the realm of my my academic trajectory when I was in high school. So I took things like world religions. I took a whole class just on Protestantism, which was really fascinating. I took my first yoga class when I was 19. I got into philosophy. I took a philosophy of language class, which was one of my favorites. And so I kind of felt like I was this really different person at the university where, you know, I was into science. I was a science nerd. I was pre-med. But at the same time, all of my electives were pointing me in the direction of liberal arts. It was really artistic. And, you know, I loved art history. 
I loved philosophy. I loved religion. I loved drama. I, I loved all of these things. And I was wondering to myself as I was going through the experience of why these different areas weren't talking to one another. Why, when I went to a botany class, there wasn't discussion of poetry and prose about plants and how they grow and photosynthesis, because I was clearly seeing that there was beauty in all of this. So I continue on and I did more schooling. And as part of my schooling, I, I must say that it was part of a personal endeavor to get deeper into myself and to try to figure myself out. And one of the ways that I did that was by going on to study more about biochemistry, more about nutrition, more about food. And so I went on for my graduate degree. I did a master's for three years, and then I went on and I did a PhD for four. And, you know, I, I continued to have a lot of these same health issues. They, they never went away. There were times and bouts of eating differently, really getting psyched by a lot of the nutrition research that I was reading about in graduate school. And it seemed like many of us in grad school had a lot of eating issues. We had bingers, we had people with food cravings, things that they couldn't resolve on their own. And so in some way, they were seeking these solutions by studying nutrition. And I would put myself into that same camp, even though I was really resistant to my mother having all of these really what I thought at the time were harebrained ideas about food, to me, at the end of this this whole path of, of seeking, I thought, you know what, maybe food is one of the answers. So I continued to explore food. And, and as I was finishing my PhD, I was having more emotional things going on because here I am, I'm in, uh, goodness, the end of my 20s and reflecting on my life. This is when we become, I think, for the most part, I've seen many people go through their 20s and at the end of their 20s, there's just something that happens. You start thinking about your, your place in life, who you are, you start questioning your identity. I was also having a lot of bouts of loneliness. I was feeling really isolated and that was mainly because I was studying in a foreign country. So I did my PhD in Holland, in the Netherlands. And I didn't speak the language very well, but most people in my, my group, my study group, they all spoke English. So on the professional side, it was pretty easy. But on the personal side, when it came to really emotionally connecting to people, I felt that sense of isolation that I couldn't really connect to them because I didn't know the language well enough. So what ended up happening for me at the end of my 20s, like 28, 29, is I just felt compelled to start painting. Now, keep in mind that all of my years as a youth and even into my teenage years, when I had that fascination with color, I kind of lost that draw in my uh, during my university days and my, my early 20s. But then all of a sudden, it came back in my late 20s when I was going through this really tough time emotionally. And I remember the first day that I pulled out um, a big piece of paper. I had I went to the art store. I bought this big roll of paper and I bought all of these acrylic paints and I just started painting. I was on the floor, had this roll of paint and uh, this roll of paper and lots of paints and it was completely nonsensical. I didn't have any type of logic or reason. I wasn't painting a product or an image. I just felt like I needed space to, to kind of let go. 
So one of my first paintings was this image of something that was really bright yellow and really bright red, and it was these shapes that were moving together. And I put it up on my wall. <laughs> I'm still remembering what it looked like. You know, it was just amorphous. It was organic. It wasn't shaped like anything. It was just kind of this oozing of red and yellow. And I remember I, I was at the time I was living in the student house and one of my student resident friends there had seen what I put on the wall in my room and he was just kind of laughing at it, kind of like, you know, what is that? Look kind of goofy. It looked kind of childlike. And, you know, it's it's interesting because at the time I had no real sensitivity on what people would say about these things that I was making. Now, if people were saying comments about my professional life, I was very hypersensitive and hyper aware about that. But if somebody could make a comment about these drawings, these paintings, and it wouldn't affect me for some reason. In fact, I was just spurred on to make more. So I would make all of these different colorful images and I started to put them up all around my room, started to proliferate, and I felt like it really helped me. It helped me in some way. But, the, you know, there were still some physical and psychological things going on for me. And quite honestly, I really just wanted to get back home to the United States. I wanted to start working. I felt like I was in school long enough. So temporarily, painting helped me to some degree. But I, I really needed a shift in my life. And that happened. So I came back to the States, started working, got into the, the working world. And all of a sudden, those colors went away. I was no longer in touch with colors, art. I was now busy and up to my gills with lots of stress. I was sunk into the corporate life. I was working for a startup company, lost my job soon after, went to work for a larger corporation, a Fortune 100 company. My goodness, that was an experience. It was such an indoctrination because here I was finding myself back into that role of rigidity, discipline, rules. I almost felt like I was porting back to when I was a child again. And I was starting to feel the restriction and the gastrointestinal and the reproductive stuff started coming up again. And I, goodness, you know, I tried what I could to, to really resolve it. And I, I started getting more into nutrition, started taking some supplements. I started experimenting with other things. I did some body work. I did some energy work, did chiropractic, acupuncture, I was trying all kinds of things to really help me out of this space, but nothing was seeming to work. So there, there came a point where I, I started painting. I started picking up that brush and my, those canvases again. And much like I did when I was a student during my PhD years, I started making some pretty massive paintings. I don't know why, but I never felt like I wanted to go small with these paintings. And now when I reflect upon that, it's almost like, well, yeah, you know, it's probably because I had something big that my body or that myself wanted to express. And I really had to get it out there. So I started making all these paintings and I was really drawn to certain colors. I would paint a lot in pink and in melon and orange and gold and yellow. And I didn't even like those colors. In everyday life, you would never catch me wearing those colors at all. I was stuck wearing navy and black and white and cream and beige and a lot of neutral tones. And again, somehow I had lost my color. I lost my color streak. Where was Star Rainbow? So I was painting, painting these bright, vivid pieces. And at the time, I was dating 
the person that I ended up marrying. And um, he knew a little bit about me and about my health issues. And he, he commented that my paintings looked like my ovaries and uterus, which I thought was incredibly insightful. I can remember him making that comment and me stepping back, looking at one of the paintings like, oh my gosh, I never realized that I was painting my body parts, that there was something that needed to be expressed. My creative drive needed to come out. And the moment he said that, it was like something locked inside of me. Something opened up, something locked, like a, a key went into a door and just opened it. And all of a sudden, I realized that I need to do more of this. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I am painting my ovaries and my uterus, aren't I? And, and why shouldn't I do that? That just feels so healing. So I made a bunch of paintings that were all hyper color, hyper real, hyper, <laughs> very, very vivid paintings where I was painting all the phases of my uterus menstruation, conception, fertilization, menopause. I was kind of going into phases that I had never even experienced, but I was so drawn to what he had identified in my painting around my body. And I went there with it. And in fact, I, I really even went further into uh, doing a, a very small gallery showing of my art pieces. I did that some years ago. And you know what? I don't know why, but I felt no shame. I felt no fear about this. I didn't feel like I cared too much about criticism. It was the one place in my life that I felt free is painting. I didn't feel a sense of perfectionism. I didn't feel a sense of judgment. I just put it out there and I said, you know what? This is me. And it, it just felt so healing. Now, I just want to back up for a little bit because throughout this whole time when I was trying to get myself well, my endometriosis had it escalated. It got worse. And it got worse to the point that now I was creating lots of inflammation in my low body that was creating a lot of adhesions and preventing a lot of flow and even blocked my left fallopian tube. So my left fallopian tube was like a sausage. It was filled up with fluid. It was blocked. My gynecologist had to monitor it every year. And after I did all these paintings and after Mark had identified that I was painting my uterus and ovaries, I was so excited, just got into that flurry and that flow. And when I went back after having this painting flurry, which is probably the best way to describe it, what my gynecologist uh, said after her annual checkup with me was that things were looking good. That here I was on the table, she was doing the ultrasound, we're looking at the health of my ovaries and my uterus and Every year I would be up on that table, it was always bad news. Oh, you know, and this stuff doesn't clear up. We're going to have to monitor it. Well, here I was after this flurry of painting, and she doesn't know this, that, that I kind of had that experience, but she's looking at everything, and she's like, you know what? Everything looks great. Your fallopian tube is open. It's clear. It's no longer blocked. Well, when she said that, I completely, I, I said, wait a minute. Why don't we look at that ultrasound again? Because that looks to me like abstract art. Why don't you just double check and be sure? Because this is kind of strange, especially when you tell me that these kinds of things don't tend to clear up. So she looks at the ultrasound again, confirms that it's no longer there. And then she goes on to say that my uterus looks beautiful. Well, that was the sentence that got me crying. 
because I've never had a beautiful uterus. It's always been in pain. I've always been doubled over and tormented by my uterus, by being a woman, by my expression of femininity. And now she tells me that things are cleared up. There's no inflammation. My hormones are, are regular and, and, and much more balanced than they've ever been. And I am just in shock. I, I'm, I'm just crying on the table. And she asks me, she says, Deanna, what did you do different? And she knows that I'm a nutritionist. She knows that I was even teaching women's health to healthcare practitioners for years, all the while having these conditions and really not being able to clear it up. How frustrating. So I told her the truth. I said, you know what? The, the only thing I can think of that I did differently, because I track on my nutrition. I'm really good with sugar. I don't do sugar. I don't do caffeine. I don't even drink. I am really strict. I'm a, a, a nutrition priss when it comes to my eating. So I'm good there. And I'm taking all the right supplements. I was exercising for years, no change. I said, the only thing I was doing differently was I started painting and I was painting really big, huge pieces with lots of color on them. And I kind of smiled because I wasn't sure how she would approach this. It's kind of a weird thing to say to your doctor, right? Like, But I had a good relationship with her. And I thought, you know what? I've got to be honest. Because that, that really is the only thing I can think of that has been different. And she checks me every year at the same time of year. It was always in August. So she, all she did was she smiled back at me and she said, Deanna, you just keep doing whatever you're doing, you know, and, and just go there. And, and I, I have to say, I was very glad that I had her support in the way of not dismissing what I was saying. You know, that would have really hurt. And I don't even know how I would have taken that. I mean, I know what feels true and authentic for me, but, you know, when, when somebody dismisses what has been working for you and you don't get that sense of validation yeah, you know, it, it's possible you get sensitive to that kind of stuff, even if you know that there are different things within health and healing that work. So it felt really good. When I started talking with other people about this process and how creativity and colors had healed me, there was a lot of doubt. And you might even be thinking like, oh my gosh, you know, I thought you were a PhD scientist and now you're talking with me about color and creativity and you think it even healed you? Well, you know, being a scientist where I'm ruling everything out, looking at all the variables and trying to bring in different things in order to heal me, I tried my best. I tried my best with so many different things. I mean, I have a laundry list of things that I have tried and tried even without success. So I wasn't able to heal with food alone. I'm pretty straight with people on that. Other things had to come in, and I think that it was this whole experience with color, getting to know colors, letting myself free, letting myself flow, and not caring, not really focusing on what other people were saying about that process was so incredibly healing. It just opened me up. And what is healing? It's the presence of flow. It's the presence of being able to move with who you are in the world. And with me feeling so confined from a child, um, from a, a, a ch when I was a child, you know, and, and having that sense of restriction and discipline, not really being able to be myself, the only way I was able to open up into that was through this canvas with lots of color. 
Now, that's just me. That's just me. And I don't know what opens you up to flowing. I don't know what opens you up to your true self and how you enable yourself to be free. Because, you know, maybe for you, it's it's not painting. And I'm not telling you to go and paint. I know and believe that everybody has creative force within them. And it's personalized. We have to find the divining rod into what our creative DNA is about. And one of the ways that we can get there is through color. Color. Think of it. You know, some of the questions, if you were sitting right across from me right now, I'd be asking you, what is your favorite color? And then I would ask you, what colors do you feel like you move away from? Just like me when I was painting all of those melons and pinks and golds and yellows, those were colors I would never be wearing. I didn't even have them in my environment. I didn't even like those colors, but for some reason... They were healing and they needed to come into my life. And maybe I was resistant to them in my life because I I didn't want to heal at that stage. Maybe there was something bigger in those colors for me that I had no conscious knowing of. I accept that. So let's talk about three ways that having more color can help you to heal your life. I I do think that this message of color, we're going to see this message of color throughout all of my podcasts. We're going to have relationships with color. We're going to have our, our creativity cracked open because this is where the healing is. This is where we can start to dive in with food and eating rather than in an analysis paralysis or mental jam around all the things that we need to be eating. What if we focused on the art of eating rather than just the science of eating? So what are some ideas for you? Well, I'm going to give you some ideas to help you to live a more colorful life. Now, this is just my first podcast, so... These ideas may seem very broad. As we go into the other podcast, you might get more specific ones and really based on the theme. But let's go big and up in the sky, up into that rainbow. Literally, let's get into the rainbow. And and let's look at that rainbow in a different way versus the, the trite connections that we see in society around a rainbow or children's images. And it, well, And even maybe we need to get into our childlike self. Maybe those colors are calling us to feel a bit more, kind of like we were when we were kids. So here's what I'm thinking and feeling. And and you can be the gauge here, right? You're your own authority and you know what feels right for you. So number one, what I would like you to try is to eat more colorful foods. Let's start with the basics of something physical, something we can all relate to. Eating colorful is something that I embrace throughout all of the programs that I do with anybody. If you've been in one of my programs, you know this. If you read my book, my book, Whole Detox, you know this. Everything is colorful. It's saturated with colors, a variety of different colors. We focus on the entire spectrum. It's so important. And in fact, there are studies that show that when people are eating fruits and vegetables, They tend to be more creative, more curious, more happy, and have a greater sense of well-being. Doesn't that sound like the place that you want to be in, right? So eating colorful fruits and vegetables 
And even beyond fruits and vegetables, bring in those spices and herbs. Bring in nuts and seeds if you can do them. Do whatever is within your realm of eating and make it colorful. Go big. For three days within one of the programs that I do, one of the the whole detox programs, we just focus on the color red. We eat all red colored foods. Think of all those phytonutrients. Think of how they're creating cell signaling cascades throughout our bodies, helping us with things like inflammation, things that make our body go red, helping our adrenal glands and fortifying our stress response. You know, think of the color red where we, we feel that sense of urgency. And a lot of those red foods, and now this is just an example, I want you to get the whole rainbow of foods, but the red foods can help us with that. I believe that there's a color-coded system and intelligence to how we eat. So eat the rainbow. And I don't mean that from a superficial, oh, get your five to nine serving. I mean, I really want you to know the rainbow of foods that you're eating. I want you to vary up the colors. I don't want you to tell me, well, Deanna, I got my tomatoes today. I got my red. Well, what about watermelon? What about cherries? What about beets? What about cranberries? What about pomegranates? I want you to get into the experience of red through food in a variety of ways. Sound good? That's a fun one. Number two, I want you to wear colors. Most of us are wearing the same things over and over, just like we're eating the same things over and over, and we are wearing the same bland colors. We're wearing navy blue, we're wearing black, lots of black. I have lots of women in my programs who talk about how they wear black, and they didn't even realize they were wearing black. It was just easy. They weren't connected into their their inner spectrum. So one of the things that I did was I rearranged my wardrobe, and I put it in the rainbow I've got my red shirts, orange shirts, yellow shirts, um, green, aquamarine, blue, indigo, purple, white, brown, black. I literally have the whole spectrum. And you know what? This tells me a lot. When I look at my clothes and I say, oh my gosh, I don't have enough yellow. I am not wearing yellow. What's up with that? You know, maybe I need to form a relationship with yellow and start learning from yellow. That's actually true. I do not have a lot of yellow. And that is a color that has been very challenging for me in some ways. I'll go into that in later podcasts. So organize your wardrobe according to the spectrum. Take some time. Take a Saturday or Sunday or whenever you've got a chunk of hours. I'm I'm just saying like two hours free. Not a whole lot of time. Give yourself the space. Put on some nice music. Get yourself feeling colorful and get into your closet. Start to arrange things in color-coded fashion. I know that sounds goofy, but you know, from a organizational standpoint and also looking at kind of a soft diagnosis of what's going on for you with color, you can tell a lot by the colors you're wearing. So look at your wardrobe, figure out what colors you're wearing, figure out what colors you're not wearing and start to wear the rainbow. And I'm not saying like my rainbow shirt, you don't have to wear the rainbow all at once. (laughs) That's a little bit extreme. But I want you to wear the rainbow. I want you to think about, oh, today I I feel like red. Today I feel like wearing green. I want you to go with your feeling on what you need to be wearing. And even if you feel a little bit resistant to a color, go with that. Maybe that's the color you need to be wearing. Maybe that's what you need a little bit more of. Maybe that color is your biggest teacher and you have yet to find out. Okay? Number three. 
I would like you to, now this is going to be a little bit of a different one. This is not your standard practical tip. It's a little bit more of a feeling tip, but it's still very worthwhile. And it's going to get you thinking and feeling in a different way. I want you to start associating your feelings with colors. You know how sometimes when we're feeling kind of down and depressed, we say, I feel blue. I feel blue. You know, so what I want you to do is I want you to be more in touch with your emotions. I do believe, based on what I've seen in the scientific literature and what I've experienced in clinical practice and even through my personal life, that many of us have conditions, illnesses, diseases, symptoms, because we are not in touch with our emotions. We're not. When I ask people how they feel, I get thinking words. How do you feel? I'm concentrating. No, 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 no. Wait, wait a minute. That's a thinking word. Give me a feeling word. How do you feel? So feeling, I want you to feel in color. So every night when you go to bed or every morning when you wake up, get in touch with your feelings. Ask yourself, just even in your in your head, you don't even have to verbalize this. How do I feel right now? And for me, if I'm doing it right now, I feel purple. You know, there, there's a sense of purple. I don't know why. I, I'm so in touch with colors that they just come to me all the time. I even see people as colors as I'm talking with them often. So this may sound like a strange one, but I my purpose in having you do this is twofold. One is I need you to be in touch with your feelings. I need you to because if you want to be healthy, you have to be connected into feeling. And number two, I'm getting you to have a relationship with color and to connect them into your feelings. So I want you to try that. And that takes what? Like two seconds of your time. That doesn't even take a lot, but it's going to return a lot. Okay, so let me just summarize. What are the tips going forward? Number one, eat more colors. Eat the rainbow. Not just one color, not just one food of one color. I want you to get the whole spectrum even within one color. A deep red as much as a light red, a pink red, a rose red. Think of all the colors of red. Second one, wear your colors, wear all those different colors, organize your wardrobe. This is probably the most time intensive activity and it doesn't even take that long. Once you've done it, you've done it. You don't need to do it again. You just start adding to it, but it will give you so much insight. And maybe you even want to go shopping after that. Maybe you say, wow, I don't have enough blue blouses and I would like a blue blouse to go with my blue suit or my blue skirt. I'm going to go to the store. And just really get into that experience of shopping for blue. And then number three, feel your colors. Be in touch with your feelings and associate those feelings with color. All right, so how does that sound? Good? Three easy things that you can do to be in connection with your inner rainbow. And again, thank you for being on this podcast and and really savoring this experience of diving into your spectrum. That's what this is all going to be about. Lots of information and inspiration on how color can heal your life. Thanks so much.